Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Today we have a crazy story of nuclear revenge getting a girlfriend fired. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, sister humiliated me in front of my crush, so I poured pepper spray into her contact lens case. The story I'm about to share happened years ago. I was still a high school student then and I was young, stupid, and kind of selfish, but still you have to know that my sister was also kind of a witch at the time, and while I might have gone a little overboard in my revenge, it really felt like she deserved it at the time. It's really funny how it tends to be the ones you less expect to screw up all your plans and humiliate you in public. I'm talking about my sister now. I know we've had this long-standing rivalry and petty squabble between us, but I've always felt that there was a line we won't cross boundaries such as school and stuff. Well, she crossed that line when she told everyone in school how I wet my bed at 13 years of age. I have never felt more embarrassed in my life, and I would have loved to have changed schools after the incident. My parents didn't agree to that, and since I couldn't, my next best option was to get revenge on my sister, which I did. But let's start at the beginning. I had never been interested in girls growing up, I'm not talking sexually now. I mean, at the time, I didn't have a female friend because I liked to play intensively, running around, doing cartwheels, shooting balls through hoops, and playing football. All my friends from kindergarten to sixth grade were boys, and I liked it that way. The one time I tried being friends with a female, I threw a football at her and she couldn't catch it and it hit her nose. She cried so hard I was so scared that she was gonna die. That was kindergarten, so forgive my thinking. Anyways, that all changed when I met Rosie. Rosie was a transfer student from Texas, and she was by far the coolest person I knew. It was the first day of 7th grade, we were just halfway through our second period, and I was half listening, half dozing, as the English teacher went on and on about adverbs. Or was it the science teacher? Anyways, the door swung open, and the principal walked in with a young girl following closely behind. As soon as I saw her, the sleep vanished from my eyes, and for the first time in a long time, I was wide awake in class. As I've said before, I haven't been interested in girls, but this one? She was special. Beautiful, with her flawless dark skin, brown eyes, and big puffy hair, even her braces were cute. The principal introduced her to the class and asked her to take an empty seat. My best friend Nick commented about how wild her hair looked. She was Afro-American, you see, so her hair didn't fall like the other girls. Naturally, I would have laughed at this because my friends and I had had this thing we do where we make one funny comment about a girl and turn it into a whole thing. It used to be fun, until Rosie. I turned to him and told him firmly not to talk about girls like that anymore. Nick was surprised, but honestly so was I. During the lunch break, I contemplated going to talk to her. She was seated alone at the far corner of the lunch table, and it would have been really easy to walk over to her and introduce myself, but I didn't go for two reasons. Firstly, everyone in school knew my little gang. We were kind of popular, and one of the rules of our gang was no girls allowed. If I walk up to a girl and talk to her, it'll ruin my reputation. Secondly, I had my friends with me. If I walk over and talk to a girl, they wouldn't let me hear the end of it. They would probably tease me till I graduate college. 
so all I could do was sit there watching in agony as she ate her lunch. Nick and the other guys ramble on and on about something, but I wasn't listening. I heard their voices, but that was all. Anyways, after school, I managed to sneak away from my friends to look for Rosie. I found her at the bike park, and I pretended to take my bike too. I introduced myself and then walked away awkwardly. Turns out I was bad at speaking to girls too. Still, I was so excited and later that night, I did something unexpected. We were all having dinner, me, my mom, and my older sister Jules. Oh, I haven't told you about Jules. Well, Jules was a year older than me, and I have to say she was the most obnoxious person I've ever met. She always found new and innovative ways to annoy or embarrass me. If she wasn't setting me up for breaking a vase or eating the last bit of cookie, she was telling my friends some embarrassing detail about me that they could use to torment me for the rest of the school week. She was in the 8th grade and all I wanted was for her to finish middle school so I could have one year of freedom before I joined her in high school. Julie had blue eyes, but she liked to wear contact lenses which made her eyes gray. This information will be useful later. Well, that's that about Jules, let's continue. Dad was going on and on about his co-worker and what a funny guy he was. Or was he complaining about his co-worker? Either way, I wasn't paying attention. All I had in mind was Rosie and the beautiful 8.6 seconds I spent talking to her in the bicycle park. When my dad turned and asked me how my day went at school, I instinctively blurted out that I spoke to a girl. What? Ugh, stupid brain. My parents were mildly surprised because they knew how little I tolerated girls. My sister, on the other hand, she almost fell off her chair with laughter. I instantly regretted mentioning that in front of Jules. Now she was going to tell my friends in school. Immediately after dinner, I hurried over to Jules's room and begged her not to say anything. She refused immediately, but when I offered to pay her for her silence, she agreed. I gave her all the money I had at the time, which summed up to $33. I even agreed to help her clean her room and do her laundry. And sure enough, she didn't say anything. But that silence lasted for a total of six days till the next week, Tuesday during lunch break. I got my food and proceeded to join my friends in our usual seats. When I did, they all snickered and burst out laughing. Confused, I asked them what was going on, and that was when they told me everything that Jules had told them. She even went ahead to fabricate some parts of the story to embarrass me. She told them that I asked her to be my girlfriend and she refused. Now, I could have told them all that she said was a lie and they might have believed me because they knew how we were with each other. But as soon as they said that bit about me asking Rosie out, I blurted out that all I did was say hi to her and introduce myself. Nick and the guys laughed hard and they started to tease me. All I could do was sit there and take it. I knew they weren't going to stop if I talked to Rosie or avoided her for the rest of our time in middle school. So I decided, what the heck, I'm going to talk to her. That same day after school, I saw her unlocking her bike from the rack and introduced myself again. We talked for a few minutes about her former school and family and when she had to go, we said goodbye and I watched her cycle away. Nick and the guys came out of the hallway and saw me watching her ride away and all they could do was laugh. I got home that day and marched up to Julie's room and then I demanded my money back. She tried to feign innocence at first, but eventually she told me I wasn't getting my money back. I walked out of her room in anger. I was so mad because every day I saw Rosie, I liked her even more. 
and the fact that my friends knew was a problem because they were used to scaring girls off and not making them stay. It was a real problem. A few days later, I took my lunch to Rosie's table so I could talk to her. I had already told my friends about it at the beginning of the lunch break, and I expected that they would give us some privacy, but what did they do? They walked over and joined me at the table. From the way Rosie looked around, I could tell that she was feeling ganged up on, and I tried my best to make them leave, but it eventually turned out to be a big fight, and in a fit of rage, Nick made an insulting comment directed toward Rosie. She got mad and left. I was so furious at Nick that I wanted to punch him in the face, but that didn't happen. Why? Well, because Nick was bigger than me. We've never resorted to blows to settle our differences, but I was sure that if we did, he would beat the living crap out of me. I left the cafeteria to look for Rosie, but I couldn't find her. I was so sad and angry. Not at the boys, not really, but at myself. I started this whole thing. If I didn't mention that I talked to a girl, Jules wouldn't have known and she wouldn't have said anything to the boys. Then again, I blamed Jules. She could have kept her mouth shut when I begged her to, but she couldn't. She was always looking for a way to torment me and even after she made me do her laundry, clean her room, and surrendered my last $33, that was not enough for her. I went straight to my room as soon as I got home and I didn't come down, not even for dinner. My dad had to come up to yell at me to come and have dinner. When I told him I wasn't hungry, he threatened to ground me if I didn't come down for a bite. That only worked to infuriate me more, but I didn't argue with him. At times, it was better to just go with the flow, when there was nothing you could do about it. I decided that instead of testing my dad, it was better to just go down and have dinner. I should have just stayed upstairs because my decision to go downstairs was what put everything else in motion. If I didn't, I might have gotten grounded, but there wouldn't have been any need for this story today. Well, I went downstairs and ate dinner in silence. My dad, as usual, rambled about his co-worker. Sometimes, I think my dad's in love with the guy. As per usual, he turned to me and asked how my day was at school. I was still in a bad mood and young and stupid. I decided to act out by not saying anything. He asked again and one more time. I pretended not to hear him and when he spoke for the third time, I wanted to tell him that I wasn't in the mood for talking that night. But as you must have learned by now, my mouth seemed to have a mind of its own. I'm a bit fuzzy on the details, but I remember saying something so rude that my dad sent me to my room. I wasn't apologetic. If anything, I was even madder and I went to bed that way. And of course, after like drinking a gallon of water. The next day, I woke up in a pool of my own making. I actually wet the bed. How insane is that? I was 13 years old and I hadn't wet the bed since I was 5 or 6. Jules had a good laugh after hearing of my whole situation. My parents, on the other hand, took me to the hospital to make sure nothing was wrong with me. It was nothing serious, though. Turns out that extreme stress and anxiety could also trigger bedwetting. I couldn't care less if I was having stage 4 cancer at the time. I knew this was the ultimate humiliation and that's what Jules had been looking for ever since I was born. I was sure that she wasn't going to let this go. She was going to tell my friends and I wasn't going to live it down. I told my parents about this and they made Jules promise not to say anything, which she did. I later found out the hard way that promises didn't mean anything to Jules. Three days later in school, I came out of the restroom to see everyone in the hallway snickering and staring at me. 
I didn't know what was going on, but eventually I did. I spotted Nick in the far end of the hallway and he hurried over to me. Then he said something along the lines of, Dude, everyone knows. Confused, I asked him what he was talking about. Then he explained to me that my sister had been going around telling people that I wet my bed. Apparently, she took a picture of my soaked sheets in bed, and everyone, including Rosie, knew. I've never felt so humiliated in my entire life. I couldn't stay in school because everyone was laughing at me. I hurried home before the close of the day and cried in my room. My sadness immediately turned to anger as I thought about what a big role Jules had to play in every bad thing that had happened since I mentioned Julie. It wasn't long before I decided that I wanted revenge. I had a plan in mind, and I was a kid at the time, so excuse the fact that it seemed rational to me. I walked into my parents' room and took my mom's pepper spray. I was still pretty early, so my mom wasn't back from work. I kept the pepper spray in my room till night when everyone had gone to bed. I snuck into Jules's room and shot the spray into her contact lens case. The brand of pepper spray had a clear liquid so it went unnoticed. The next day, I was woken up by Jules's screams. She had put in one of the lenses and it burnt pretty bad that they had to take her to the hospital. It was only pepper spray, thank god, so it had no lasting damage in her eye, only a minor irritation causing her eye to swell. I was grounded till the end of 7th grade. But on the bright side, Julie never messed with me ever again. I feel like, although OP says it wouldn't have any chance of harming her eye, directly putting pepper spray onto your eye just seems like the surefire way to cause some kind of damage, I don't know. That said, our next story is, I got my girlfriend fired. Before Isabella Garcia showed up at my office as my new co-worker, things were swell. I've always prided myself in my work and how efficient I was. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. To be honest, work is all I ever really do. I'm very socially awkward, so I've always focused on easier things like work. When you're like me, auditing accounts all night is an easier task than an outing with friends. This isn't to say that I was a complete social outcast, I just rarely went out. In university, when I wasn't in class or studying, I liked to play video games on my laptop, mostly offline Minecraft because god forbid I have to work and play with other people. Sometimes I'd go out to the movies or to a restaurant, but I was almost always alone. I had tried a few times to date, but I quickly realized that most women don't like to be with quiet, extremely introverted men, so I was fine just being single. After I graduated and got a job with a firm in New York, things didn't change much. My coworkers and I barely talked outside of work, though every once in a while I'd be invited for drinks or a party. 
Most times I declined, but some days my social media would be full and I'd go for a drink. No one really had a problem with my lifestyle and most people just understood that I was just not a big people person. It also really helped that I was highly efficient at the company. In fact, one time, my supervisor said that employing me was like employing three people at once. Recently, the firm I work at decided to widen the scope of services we provide. That meant employing a few extra people, which I was fine with. What I wasn't fine with was having to share an office. I was used to just being alone in my office working, so when we were informed that some of us would have to share our offices with the new employees for a while, I wasn't exactly pleased. When I spoke to my supervisor about it, he said it was out of her hands, and so against my will I ended up working in the same room with one of our newest hires, Isabella. Isabella was a very cheery, lively person, and very different from me. She'd come into work every day with a wide smile asking questions about what I did the previous evening and how my mornings were. Sometimes she'd even pack a breakfast for me which was quite sweet. I understood that she was just energetic and I mostly just answered her questions with as simply as I could so I wouldn't seem rude. We were on good terms for the most time. Isabella was also quite efficient so my respect for her was also quite high. The problem started when one evening after work, she asked if I'd like to go to a bar close by for a drink. I considered everything, but after not being able to think of a valid excuse yet again, I said sure. At the bar, Isabella seemed like a completely different person. While at work, she was talkative and social. That evening, she was quiet and kept leaning in to whisper in my ear. She was also very handsy, and I soon realized that I was being seduced. There were two things that I immediately considered. The first was the fact that this was my coworker. I was almost certain that this was the kind of thing HR would frown against. The second thing I considered was how I'd never really thought about Isabella in that light. She was definitely attractive, very attractive even, but I'd always seen her as a coworker. Being hit on by her felt weird. However, I had had a few drinks and it had been a while since I'd been flirted with and it felt good. So I indulged her. As the night drew on, Isabella got bolder and eventually asked if I could take her to my place. I don't know what happened to me at that point, and quite honestly, if I was in the same situation again, I probably would have reacted differently, but all of a sudden I had a ton of clarity. Enough clarity to be skeptical. So I told her kindly that perhaps it wasn't such a good idea for her to come over that night. When she heard this, she got a little stiff like I'd insulted her. So I had to explain that it wasn't like I didn't want to, it was just too sudden too soon. She relaxed a little and said that was fine. I hailed a taxi for her and before she left, she gave me a peck on the cheek. The entire way home I kept asking myself if I had made the right choice. The next morning when Isabella walked in, she wasn't her usual cheery self. She seemed a little nervous. I didn't want to talk about the previous evening at first, but after a long time of awkward silence, I turned to her and asked if she was okay. She smiled and said she was fine. I asked if she was still upset about what had happened, and she admitted that she was more scared than upset. She had considered what she had done was stupid, and she expected to have HR storm in at any time. I laughed and said I didn't feel offended or harassed by her advances, just a little shocked. So we proceeded to, on company time, talk about the possibility of us dating. Isabella was beautiful, funny, open and caring, and quite honestly, with every passing second, I was more open to dating her. 
She didn't seem to mind my introversion and quietness. In fact, she said those were qualities about me that she really liked. The more we talked about it, the more excited we both got, and we planned our first date right there. After work, as I was saying goodbye to her, she walked up to me and said there was something she should have done the night before. That something was a deep, passionate kiss. For a few minutes after, I could barely think or move, and when I finally was able to walk again, I was swaying. The next few weeks were absolute bliss. We went out on dates, hung out after work, and I talked perhaps more than I had ever in my entire life. Isabella was adventurous, and she liked danger. She suggested all sorts of activities, rock climbing, skydiving, skating. Up to that point, I didn't even fathom that she was a skater. I, on the other hand, was more into spending time doing relatively mellow things. Walks in the park, visiting museums, and playing Scrabble. Somehow, we found a way to do both of our activities. It was fun, it was exciting, and for the next six months, I was happy. At the office, a few people had started to notice that Isabella and I were an item. But I honestly was past caring at that point. I was fully and utterly in love. One time she suggested us moving in together, but we eventually decided against it. Eventually Isabella got her own office, and I was back to having my office all to myself. But she still brought me breakfast every day. I must have been blinded by my love for Isabella, because I didn't see the warning signs till it was too late. They were always there, now that I look back at it. Always there. I should have noticed how obsessed with me she was. At first, I assumed it was just how she was, but over time, I noticed that she really wanted me to herself and herself alone. She would ask for my phone at random intervals to check it, and then she would make a beeline for my messages, asking me a ton of questions when she sees me message literally any woman. She didn't just stop there, either. I noticed that she often snooped around my phone when I wasn't there and sent screenshots of messages to herself. I talked to her about this and tried to assure her that I was committing to her and only her, but I don't think what I said stuck. Even worse than that, she started stalking me. It was very creepy. What was creepy was how I found out. Socially awkward as I am, I still always make sure I see my mom at least twice a month. I'm all she has left, and she's perhaps the most important person in my life. Isabella had once asked me one day if mom saved in my phone was really my mom. Upset, I told her to stop being ridiculous and just grabbed my phone from her. She later apologized and said she was just being careful. Later that week, when I went to see my mother, I kept having the feeling of being trailed. However, when I checked around me, I couldn't point out anything suspicious. I thought I was just being paranoid and carried on to my mom's. We went out for lunch and talked about life and everything. I gave her an update on Isabella and I, including my worries about her obsession with me. She said if I wasn't feeling comfortable, then perhaps I should break things off. According to her, crazy people were unpredictable, and if I wasn't careful, I could find myself in a body bag. I laughed and said it was improbable that Isabella would ever want to hurt me. The next words that came out of my mom's mouth shook me to my core. If you're so sure you're safe, then why is she following you halfway across town and spying on you right now? It turns out Isabella was across the street looking right at us. She had a ridiculous disguise on, but it was her alright. I walked right to her, and as I did, I saw her turn pale and then she tried to slink away. We got into a pretty intense argument the moment we got back to my apartment. Eventually, genuinely concerned, I asked if she needed professional help with dealing with attachment. 
She said she was fine and she just wanted to make sure I wasn't cheating on her. Then she stormed out of the apartment angrily. That fight was pretty big and lasted a week. A week during which she completely ignored me at work and refused to talk to me even after. Eventually she called to apologize and we made up. I thought that would be the end of it all, but of course it wasn't. To understand just how bad Isabella's next act of jealousy was, I need to give a little bit of context. There was a homeless woman I'd noticed on my way to work every day. She seemed to be a nice woman who greeted everyone who passed by her. One day, I bought her a hot meal on my way home, and I sat down silently with her while we both ate. She was extremely grateful for the food, and she spoke, and I listened, about her life and experiences. Her name was Betty, and she's one of the most intelligent and kind people I've met. She wasn't a criminal or a drug addict. She was just an artist down on her luck. I had enjoyed that meal with her so much that I decided to do it as often as I could, and so a couple times a week, I would get supper, supplies, and sometimes even art supplies for Betty, and we would eat and talk. I had done this for almost two months before I even started dating Isabella. Betty seemed like she was getting her life back together and would soon be off the streets. To me, Betty was a good friend, one of the few ones I had. When Isabella and I started seeing each other, I told her about Betty and she didn't sound like she really minded, but just like with her other acts of jealousy, she increasingly got more quizzical about Betty. One day, just a month after the whole incident of her trailing my mom and I, Isabella did the unthinkable. She called the police on poor Betty. She told the police that Betty was a violent junkie and that she had attacked her and tried to rob her. It's not a particularly hard thing to get homeless people in trouble with the law, and so Betty was arrested. That evening, I got some Chinese takeout and walked over to Betty's corner. I was absolutely worried when Carl, another homeless man who would sometimes join Betty and I for supper, told me that Betty had been arrested. I immediately went to the local precinct and applied for her bail. The police told me that they'd received a complaint about her, and for some reason, it just clicked that it must have been Isabella. Later that evening, I confronted Isabella about it, and she admitted to it, crying while she said she had done it, because Betty was trying to take me away from her. At that moment, I knew I had to end things with Isabella. My mom was right. The sooner I got out, the better. However, just breaking up with her didn't seem to be enough. See, I know what it's like to be down. When I was young, my mom and I were constantly broke and one paycheck away from homelessness. I could understand how painful it must have been for Betty to be harassed and profiled. For her to have done something that nasty just because she was jealous was just mean. And I was determined to give Isabella the payback that Betty couldn't give her. The next morning, I got to work before Isabella, as always, and I logged into her computer in her office. With her official email, I scheduled a few emails to send to our biggest competition at random times. In the emails, Isabella claimed to have company secrets she was willing to divulge for money and employment with them. In the final email, I made sure to accidentally attach the email address of the head of our firm. When I was done, I shut down the computer and left like nothing happened. That evening, I broke up with Isabella. To cushion the effect of the breakup, I told her I just wanted to see how we would grow if we had a little break. I couldn't tell if she was sad or angry. She just looked down and asked if I was sure that was what I wanted. She wasn't ready for what was about to hit because by the end of the week, the emails got exposed and there was a whole lot of drama around it. In another week, she'd been fired. I'd barely seen her since then. 
and I'm not sure she doesn't know I was responsible for getting her fired. With any luck, she won't. I'm just impressed that OP had an experience where she legitimately wore a ridiculous disguise and tailed OP and their mom, and OP was willing to give them another chance after that. Shouldn't that be the end-all be-all of a relationship? But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 